Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Are you ready? House Democrats are poised to impeach President Trump with leaders in the process of drafting articles now. If what we're talking about is not impeachable, then nothing is impeachable. But is their party in lockstep about how to do it? House Judiciary Chairman Jerry Nadler is here to discuss. And make or break, President Trump writes off his likely impeachment and looks ahead to a Senate trial. There was no crime whatsoever, not even a little tiny crime. How are the president's closest allies preparing to defend him? I'll ask Republican Congressman Mark Meadows. Plus, the gloves are off. The 2020 campaign trail gets hot. You're a damn liar, man. And Mayor Pete Buttigieg feels the pressure of a campaign on the rise. First of all, we got to win. No question about that. With primaries right around the corner, who can emerge from the free-for-all? Dana Bash in for Jake Tapper in Washington, where the State of Our Union is crossing a threshold. Those are the words of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, whose team of top Democrats is working all weekend on articles of impeachment against President Trump. The first votes on those articles could come this week. It is now almost certain that Donald J. Trump will become the third U.S. president to be impeached by the House of Representatives. The president's legal team signaled it will not participate in the House process, which the president again yesterday called a continuation of a three-year witch hunt. Instead, his team is looking ahead to a trial in the Republican-controlled Senate. But the action now is, of course, in the House, where lawmakers on both sides of the aisle are preparing. Yesterday, Democrats released a report outlining the historical arguments for impeachment. And this weekend, they're holding mock hearings, getting ready to lay out their case tomorrow in what they're calling a public trial. That, as some moderate Democrats are expressing concerns about the scope of impeachment, warning that expanding the focus could make them vulnerable in their home districts. Joining me now, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, Jerry Nadler. Thank you so much, Mr. Chairman, for joining me this morning. First, I want to get right to, right to the debate that is going on in your caucus about the articles of impeachment. The question is whether to include obstruction of justice stemming from the Mueller investigation or just focus on Ukraine. You're the chairman of the committee writing these articles. What do you think? Well, we're going to have a hearing tomorrow uh, in which the Intelligence Committee is going to present the evidence. And uh, we have to consider the evidence, which uh, shows overwhelmingly that the president put his own personal interests above the interests of his country. It shows that, uh, and the evidence is virtually uncontested. It shows that, uh, you know, he, he, he worked with the Russians in, in trying to uh, affect the election in 2016. Then he tried to cover it up. And then he learned nothing and uh, tried to... Uh, uh, get the Ukrainians to intervene and help him in the election for 2020. He was trying to cover that up. This poses a real threat to the integrity of our elections. It's, it's, it's a matter of urgency. And uh, after we have, uh, after we hear the evidence, more of the evidence tomorrow, and after there's a discussion tomorrow, 
then we'll uh, then we'll make these decisions. So you will be hearing evidence about the Mueller investigation and report during tomorrow's well, what you're calling we'll, a trial. We'll be hearing the evidence that the Intelligence Committee reports to us and we'll see what that includes. OK, uh, but just just generally on this issue, you said earlier this year, quote, it's very clear that the president obstructed justice. You also said that obstruction of justice is an impeachable offense. So if you believe both of those things, can we assume that you as chairman of the Judiciary Committee would want to include obstruction of justice going back to Mueller in the investigation? We have a lot to consider uh, after the presentation of the evidence uh, tomorrow as to what uh, uh, articles of impeachment should be drafted and how broad they should be and what they should include. What do you think? And we'll make, I, I'm, I'm not going to say right now, uh, before we hear the evidence tomorrow, but we'll make those decisions in the, in the couple, in, in, after that, after tomorrow. Well, let me ask sort of more broadly about this debate that I mentioned that you are well aware of in your caucus. What I'm hearing from moderate Democrats is that they want two articles of impeachment, abuse of power and obstruction of justice. They say anything from the Mueller report would muddy the impeachment. In fact, I want you to listen to Democratic Congressman Max Rose, who told CNN on Friday that the Mueller report uh, is not why he supported the impeachment inquiry, just the opposite. I was against going through with impeachment previous to this Ukraine matter. But when I came out and said that, I was very serious about it. And unlike most of the people in this institution, I'm not going to just say something and forget about it. So Con uh, Congressman Max Rose and others uh, who are urging it to be narrow are members of Congress who won in Trump districts, gave you the majority, made you chairman. They're the most vulnerable uh, and could lose elections because of this. How much are you listening to them as you draft these articles? Well, we're going to have to take a lot of, con uh, of, of considerations uh, into account. Uh, uh, what is the level of proof for the various allegations? Uh, how do they relate together? Uh, what is the level of support uh, in our caucus and in the House for them? Uh, what what may, might we persuade the Senate of? All of these things have to be taken into account, realizing again that the central allegation, it's all of a pattern, the central allegation is that the president put himself above his country several times, that he sought foreign interference uh, in our elections several times, uh, both for 2016 and 2020, that he sought to cover it up all the time, and that he continually violated his oath of office, and that all this presents a pattern that poses a real and present danger to the integrity of the next election, which is one reason why we can't just wait for the next election uh, to settle matters. We have to go forward uh, with, with considering articles of impeachment because of the threat that his pattern of conduct poses to the election itself. I have to say, as you're talking about this, you keep bringing up the 2016 election and Russia. It certainly sounds to me like you want that to be included going forward. Well, I wouldn't draw any conclusions. It is part of the pattern, which is why I bring it up. It's part of a pattern of his conduct, which, in, which, which stresses the urgency of making sure that we deal with this so that uh, the 2020 election is carried on honestly okay. with integrity. Okay, so let's talk about the substance of your case for impeachment. House Republicans, as you know, released a rebuttal to the Democratic impeachment report saying uh, that Democrats have not proven a quid pro quo. Here's what it says. It says there is, however, no direct firsthand evidence of any such scheme. The Democrats are alleging guilt on the basis of hearsay, presumptions and speculations. Do you feel comfortable that you and your fellow Democrats have conclusively proven that the holdup in military aid 
was in exchange for investigations and that, most importantly, it was a direct order from the president himself. It wasn't, it wasn't even uh, in, in, in return for investigations. He didn't care about the investigation. He cared about announcing an investigation because that was the political thing he wanted. You, he, wanted the pre, he wanted the Ukrainians to announce, to announce that they were going to hold an you, investigation. But you feel comfortable that this whole thing was directed yeah, by the president himself? You yes. feel that you have a yes. rock-solid case? We have a very rock-solid case. I think the case we have, if presented to a jury, would be a guilty verdict in about three minutes flat. Um, and, you know, all this nonsense about uh, hearsay evidence, there's, there is considerable direct evidence. And it, is, it ill behooves a, a president or, or his partisans to say you don't have enough direct evidence when the reason we don't have even more direct evidence is the president has ordered everybody in the executive branch not to cooperate with Congress in the impeachment inquiry, uh, something that is unprecedented in American history. Um, and is a contempt of, of Congress by itself. He has ordered everybody not to participate. And the only testimony we have are from public-spirited, patriotic people in the CIA, the Pentagon, the White House itself, who came forward and defied the president's orders and testified. So I'm glad you brought that up because uh, we've been hearing a lot from you and uh, your fellow Democrats about the fact that the White House is obstructing Congress by not handing over documents, not allowing key firsthand witnesses like Mick Mulvaney, like John Bolton, like Mike Pompeo, to testify. But the founders, who we heard a lot about in your committee last week, set up a third co-equal branch of government, the courts, to resolve differences like this. But you have not even tried to go to the, to the courts to compel these witnesses to testify. With well, something as grave as, and momentous as impeachment, why not? Well, first of all, we have gone to the courts, and some of those cases are— Not on are, this have, issue. We have gone to the courts, uh, starting uh, with, with, with McGahn and uh, various other people. Right, but not on have, Ukraine and, what and what on we, the and what we, and, what, and what we have found is that the courts take months and months. But we don't need to go to the courts. The Article I power, which is Congress's power, is the sole power to try impeachments, should not be and has never been dependent on the courts. Uh, the president and the executive branch are duty-bound to cooperate with Congress in any legitimate inquiry. And the president's absolute failure to do so and, and defiance is an act against the separation of powers, against the constitutional scheme, uh, and shouldn't require anything from the courts. Now, the courts are a way to try to enforce this, but much too slow a way. Well... You told CNN one month ago that you wanted to do this thoroughly, saying, quote, if it's going to be done, it's got to be done right, and whatever time it requires, it will take. And I so think, what changed? And I, nothing has changed, except for the fact that we have gotten all this uh, uh, ex extremely uh, persuasive evidence on the blackmail against the Ukraine, against Ukraine to, to try to interfere in our election, the fact that this evidence is uncontested and overwhelming. And notice, the Republican, we, we have asked the president, we've invited him to testify, we've invited him to send witnesses, we've invited him to send this counsel to cross-examine witnesses. He's declined to do all of this. Now, if he had any exculpatory evidence, they would have brought it forward. The fact that the Republicans and the president have, brought, have basically not contested the evidence at all. Even their witness at our hearing last week, Professor Turley, said that um, um, that what he did was clearly impeachable if proven sufficiently. And I think that any fair judge would have to say that the, that has been proven thoroughly and uncontested. Okay. Um, 
just real quick on something that Adam Schiff, uh, the chairman of the Intelligence Committee, suggested on this very show two weeks ago. He has said that it might be quicker to compel the first-hand witnesses we're talking about to appear in a Senate trial. Do you see that happening? You're probably probably will be involved there, too. Well, that, that's possible. I don't want to speculate, but that is possible. Uh, but again, we have got to act with dispatch uh, because, the president, because the president put himself, his own interests above that of the country, and it is urgent. There's a sense of urgency because he will do anything, from judging from his past conduct, uh, that he can to, to in, get interference and to rig the next election, which is why we must act to safeguard the integrity of our democracy. I want you and our viewers to listen to something that you said during the impeachment of Bill Clinton in 1998. There must never be a narrowly voted impeachment or an impeachment substantially supported by one of our major political parties and largely opposed by the other. Such an impeachment would lack legitimacy, would produce divisiveness and bitterness in our politics for years to come. So right now, you are moving forward with impeachment proceedings against a Republican president without support from even one congressional Republican. Is it fair to say that this impeachment, in your words from back then, will produce divisiveness and bitterness in our politics for years to come? No, I think what puts bitterness and divisiveness into our politics is the conduct of the president who calls, uh, who, who questions the patriotism uh, of people who don't agree with him, who calls political opponents human scum, who talks about the fake press, who derides the judiciary, who, quest who, who attacks all our democratic institutions. Um, and the fact of the matter is that the polling says that 70 percent of the American people know that what he did was wrong. And uh, yes, it will be up to it's up to us now in the House and presumably will be up to the senators to see if uh, we will and if the and senators will uh, put uh, the welfare of the country and patriotism above partisan considerations so you, or not. You are willing to impeach the president with no Republican votes, correct? We are going to impeach the president. If we're going to impeach the president, we will impeach him on adequate and uh, urgent grounds to defend our democratic republic. And if there's and no Republican votes... So be it. It's up, it's up to them to decide whether they want to be patriots or partisans. So I want to ask uh, you about one, what comes next. All eyes are going to be on your committee, obviously, for the next week, maybe more. Um, in the short term, the Republicans are asking for more time to review documents that you just released. They also say that House rules require you to give them a day to call their own witnesses. Are you going to give them one? They have had adequate time. The, the, these documents, which is basically the report of the Intelligence Committee, uh, were given to them as soon as we received it. But the report contains nothing new. Uh, they had their own people on the Intelligence Committee. They were there. The American people saw the public uh, hearings. Uh, the Republicans were present at the closed deposition. And what about earlier. witnesses? Will you give them and a day to call witnesses? They, we've given, no, we've said that uh, they will have the opportunity to call witnesses. They had to give me a list of witnesses. Um, the list of witnesses they gave, they, they asked me to call. Um, I've said no to because they're irrelevant. Uh, they can appeal to the full committee if they wish, and we'll have a vote on that. But uh, we are going to, like any trial judge, you, you keep the witnesses uh, to, to, to the relevancy. Uh, Adam Schiff, they wanted, is, is not a relevant witness. He didn't witness anything. Uh, his counsel, according to the House rules, is going to report to the committee uh, tomorrow. Um, and every, every procedure... Uh, every fairness uh, 
has so, been given to them, they have declined to, to use them. Again, they have declined, the president has declined to, to call witnesses. They have declined an attorney to cross-examine. Mr. Chairman, one last question about time frame. Is it possible that you are going to vote on articles of impeachment this coming week? It's possible. I don't know. Is that your goal? My goal is to vote, uh, is in to do this. My goal is to do it as expeditiously, uh, but as fairly as possible, depending how, how long it takes. OK. And are the articles of impeachment currently underway? I mean, there are drafts. They are being written as we speak, correct? Well, there are possible drafts uh, that various people are writing. But the fact is, we're not going to make the decisions as to how broad the articles should be, as to what they could contain and what the wording is until after the hearing tomorrow. Chairman Jerry Nadler, thank you so much for your time this morning. You're quite welcome. Next up, I'll talk to one of the president's key allies in Congress about the impeachment case and Senator Elizabeth Warren changing her campaign strategy. Stay with us. Welcome back to State of the Union. The White House is not participating in the House's impeachment process. So the job of defending President Trump is falling to his Republican allies. Perhaps none is closer to the president than Congressman Mark Meadows. And the congressman joins me now. Congressman Mark Meadows, thank you so much for, for coming in. Appreciate it. You, of course, are from North Carolina. You're one of the president's closest confidants uh, in, in Congress and in general. And I want to talk about the substance of the impeachment inquiry, really focus on that. The president asked a leader of a foreign country to investigate his political rival. So one simple question to start. Is that appropriate? Well, one, he didn't do that. I, I don't uh, agree with your premise. He talked about investigations. If you look at the, the transcript, uh, I think he said, will you do us a favor uh, based on the United States going through a lot, talking about 2016 elections. And when you see that, uh, Dana, I, I think probably the biggest thing is uh, this president has gone through so much. They've been making accusations about this president that not only are not based on facts, but they're false. And so in doing that and getting to the yeah. bottom of it is key. OK, you said just to, I, I want to stay on yeah, the focus yeah. of the substance, but you said he didn't ask for it. Um, he 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 did when he said, well, do me a what favor. Did he say? I but, mean, you, OK, you, you the said there's a lot that. of talk about Biden's son, that Biden stopped the prosecution. And a lot of people want to find out that. So whatever you can do with the attorney general would be great. Yeah. Biden, and, wait, and wait. So, Biden, so, Biden went around bragging that he stopped the prosecution. So if you can look into it and work with the attorney to. general and, and isn't but, it appropriate. But, you, but it, here but here he did ask. But, you're, but, you're, you but admit that, right? Even even with that, working with the attorney general, are you suggesting that someone who runs for for a president shouldn't be investigated? The Democrats have been investigating President Trump before he was elected and after he was elected. And so somehow it doesn't work for them. I mean, listen, it's appropriate to make sure that nothing was done wrong in Ukraine. And indeed, that's so, what he so was talking about. So it's not so much about an investigation into wrongdoing by his own Justice Department. I hear you there. But that's the question, what he said. But, but, I mean, he was, but he was talking to the leader of the Ukraine, asking him, the leader of a foreign government, to do that investigation. There's a big difference. Well, there's a big difference between what is being uh, alleged against the president of the United States and what actually happened. Because this all comes down, Dana, you know, to foreign aid being withheld. 
And what we do... Well, we're going to get to that in a second. Oh, okay. I just want to ask about this, just the appropriateness yeah. of asking... The appropriateness of making sure that an investigation of anyone who had wrongdoing... We know that, that Joe Biden was involved with Ukraine, uh, dozens of contacts with Ukraine. At, at a minimum, he should have recused himself from anything that related to his son. And I think you can agree with that. Well, let me ask you this. Your fellow Republican congressman... Mac Thornberry said that July 25th phone call, which I just read to you, where he asked right, to look into right. it, was inappropriate. Yeah. Republican Congressman Mike Turner said it was alarming and not OK. Yeah. They're wrong. They are wrong. I, I, listen, with all due respect to my two colleagues, I was in the deposition over 100 hours. And as myself, Jim Jordan, Adam Schiff are the only three that I know of that actually attended everything. And when you look at the context of that, when you look of actually what happened, let's talk to Ambassador Volcker, who knows more than anyone else what happened and what didn't happen. And yet somehow they want to dismiss this. Or let's go to President Zelensky. Are you saying that he's lying, that somehow he when, when we look at that, that somehow President Zelensky of Ukraine is saying that he wasn't pressured, that somehow he's lying? I mean, how well, many, he didn't he didn't exactly say that. No, and he did. a lot he of people said it twice, and a lot of people Dana. testified I mean, that people can Google it. You know, people listen, testified. You're, you're a good journalist. Thank and, you. And, but, and, but, he, and, he, but let's he, stick with the facts. We're cherry picking exactly what he said. But I want to focus. I just want to thing that you mentioned. I, you, you mentioned know, on Volcker. Um, right. I know you, somebody you have a lot of respect for. Sure. He said he, meeting Biden, was executing U.S. policy at the time that was widely understood internationally to be the right policy. Right. He defended in, in, in Biden. In terms of, of corruption. I think that's what he was referring yeah. to. I, mean, I had seven, seven hours with Ambassador Volcker. And you can't just take one little sentence out of seven hours and suggest that everything that Biden did was correct. He believes that, that Biden was there working on anti-corruption. I believe that he could be. But at the same time, everybody wants to dismiss it without an investigation. And, and if that same uh, set of criteria applies to President Trump, uh-huh. the Democrats would be up so, in arms. So for four years, yeah. Hunter Biden was on the board of Burisma, this yeah. Ukrainian yeah. company. Yeah. You were in the majority in the House. You were on the committee that oversees this. Why didn't you investigate if it was so wrong then? Well, one, I, I, I didn't know about it at, at the particular time. And when, when you look at, at things, as things come up, you would... But it was you public would, information. Uh, what was public information? That, that Hunter Biden was on the board. Of, of this company. Well, I, I don't know about you. I'm, I, I don't know that any of your, your viewers go and look through uh, Burisma's uh, notice that Hunter Biden was there. I think all of us can admit that we didn't know that Hunter Biden was getting $50,000 plus a month from a corrupt uh, Ukrainian company. Can, can, we, can we also, I, mean, I think the point that you're making is... Yeah. Uh, Maybe you can also admit that if Joe Biden just went off into the sunset and he didn't decide to run for president, you wouldn't care. Well, I don't know that that's correct. I mean, you would uh, care. If you I, were I, I can tell you that anyone, who's, anyone who's corrupt, anyone who has had corrupt intent or inappropriate intent, whether whether it be Joe Biden or anybody else. You know, I've been on oversight for four terms now. You know mm-hmm. that I, I go after it and I even go after it when it is this administration, one of the few people who have signed bipartisan letters to look into to issues. You have to take it serious. But at the same time, just because Joe Biden happens to be running running for president to give him a free pass. Uh, I mean, that's just not appropriate. Let's say it was a Democrat in the White House, because I still just I want to make sure that we're still focused on yeah. 
yeah. whether it was appropriate or not, yeah. back to the original question, for the president to be asking a foreign leader to yeah. investigate a political rival or any American. Right. Let's say it was a Democrat in the White House. Let's say uh, President Elizabeth Warren, President Joe Biden, Pete Buttigieg, pick your Democratic candidate, were to say to a foreign leader, please investigate my top Republican rival. You'd be totally fine with that? Well, I can tell you that, that when we're talking about investigations, coordinating with the attorney general, it is appropriate. And we, we have actually Democrat senators who have done just that, Dana. You know that there was a letter from two Democrat senators who actually reached out to Ukraine and said, we need to make sure that you cooperate with the Mueller investigation. Is that not a Democrat asking a foreign country and, and even intimated about aid. So here's the, here's the issue. You'd be okay with it. I, I, I would be okay with that. Certainly. I mean, when we look at that, we have, we have agreements with foreign countries that say, if you deal with the appropriate people, and, and in this case, it would be the attorney general of the United States. If you deal with the appropriate people, then certainly having those coordinations uh, on investigations would be appropriate. Um, the president's personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, traveled overseas this right. week. He went to Ukraine. Right. And he's saying very openly that he's trying to prove uh, unfounded allegations against the Bidens. President Trump said yesterday that he even he wants Giuliani to go to Congress and to talk about what he found. Are you comfortable with what Rudy Giuliani is Listen, doing? Listen, uh, when, when we look at Rudy Giuliani and, and what has been said about what he's done and what he's, uh, what he's not done, I, I don't know everything that Rudy Giuliani has done. If he is finding something that is inappropriate, should he bring that to Congress? Yes. I assume that Adam Schiff and Jerry Nadler would want to hear that if it was inappropriate, because they've been talking about how they have this blindfold on as it relates to President Trump, which I don't agree with, mm -hmm. but they believe that they have this blindfold on, that they want to root out anything that's wrong. So why, why would you have a problem with it? No, I'm asking you. I mean, no, I there are Republicans who I've talked to, I'm sure you have too, who are not comfortable with the role that Giuliani is playing right now. Well, listen, I don't know that any role, I don't know of any role that Rudy Giuliani is playing on behalf of the president of the United States. I think he's over there as, as a citizen. I think part of that is probably trying to clear his name. But he's the I president's mean, personal attorney. He, he is the president's personal attorney, but I don't know that he's over there at the president's direction. In fact, I would suggest that he's not. Just the final button on this Giuliani yeah. question, because this is kind of how this whole thing started, right? Giuliani... Working no, with the, the president, the working thing. with the president. And you had, uh, you know, appointees, uh, this, civil servants going and testifying, saying it was shadow diplomacy and it messed up no, this, the regular. This didn't start. This started with a partisan policy. attack on the president of the United States based on a phone call where where there was probably 30 people overhearing a phone call and then leaking it to well, a whistleblower who then came out and 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 they put together a narrative that tried to fit the facts. Well, it was That's based where on, it and, and And the fact that. He allegedly held up, and he says it in this phone call, aid in No, he didn't say it in that phone call. He aid said, is never me mentioned. He, aid, no, no. Talked. There's four facts that, that are, don't okay. change. Aid was never mentioned in the phone call, Dana. Have the people go online and reach it. You know, when we looked at that, when the phone call happened, they didn't even know that the aid was being withheld. That's, All right. That's, that's not, that's, that is contradicted by testimony by Laura Cooper. No, no, Laura Cooper said, said they got an day, email asking a general day, and about others aid. Said that Listen, I know the these facts better than anyone else. I promise you. Is there anything about aid in that phone call? He talked Isn't about it, assistance. No, no, yes or no. He talked Dana, about assistance. Dana, he talked not about assistance. Anything about aid. 
You Eddie, knew that. Last question. Tell the people last the question because we're running out of time. It, first of all, that's not true, but I don't want to have a continue to have a debate with you. Um, any Republican, will any Republican vote yes on it? Not based on the facts that we've seen so far. In fact, I think if anything, there's more pressure on the Democrats to come along and, and vote to exonerate the president in the House. Congressman Mark Meadows, thank you. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate it. The South Bend mayor takes the lead in Iowa polling and finds himself the new target of the Democratic field. That's next. I'm very glad that Mr. Buttigieg is, is, is worried that I have been too easy on upper income people and the millionaires and billionaires. He should open up the doors so that the press can follow the promises that he's making uh, in these big dollar fundraisers. I was the first guy to come out with the plan to build on Obamacare. And I'm glad Pete has a version of that same plan. The Democratic frontrunners keying in on the same target, Mayor Pete Buttigieg. Let's discuss with our panel. Um, Jen Psaki, you have been there uh, where you were working for a candidate who is suddenly rising mm -hmm. and you have all this incoming. What do you make of what we're seeing? It's clear that Mayor Pete is the candidate to beat in Iowa. And you can see that from the other candidates' reactions to him. I will say that this back and forth over who his clients were for McKinsey or, frankly, who Elizabeth Warren's, uh, who she worked for when she was a corporate lawyer, who cares? Um, the people who are benefiting from that are people like Joe Biden and Amy Klobuchar, who's reportedly on the rise in Iowa, who are talking about the real issues and not having this silly Twitter and uh, debate that that isn't talking about people's real lives. So it's clear who the front runner is, but I think they everybody who's at the front runner status would be wise to go back to the issues that are of concern to Iowans. Uh, Congressman, do you agree? Who cares? Or do you want to know more information about the um, taxes of Elizabeth Warren during that chunk of time or the clients of Pete Buttigieg? No, look, I think each of the Democratic candidates could beat Donald Trump. And fundamentally, my voters, the constituents in my district, that is what they care about, is picking a Democratic candidate uh, that will win in what is arguably the most important election of our lifetime. So each of the candidates has their, their own strengths and they're going to make their case. I still think it's a wide open race, certainly in Colorado. <laughs> look, I think it's great. The more the merrier. Right? I love I love the, the food fight that continues on. I think it's going to continue on for quite some time. There's no apparent front runner. Obviously, there was Mayor Bloomberg wouldn't be getting in spending all this money and thinking he was a path for him forward. And so uh, I, I welcome it. I think it's great. And uh, and, and, I, and I obviously disagree with the congressman. I think uh, I think as long as this drags out, the more I see these the different candidates, uh, the more I see of the strong economy. Uh, the more I believe that the president will be handily reelected. Let's turn to Vice President Biden. We all saw the moment in yes. Iowa where he went back and forth with a voter uh, who was asking him about uh, about his son, Hunter Biden, and about what happened in Ukraine. He he, Joe Biden, responded to the criticism that he seemed a little like Donald Trump. He talked about it on NPR. Let's watch. Which is what Donald Trump says a lot. Hey, you can't take a joke. I was joking. No, the point, no, 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 no. But the don't point don't compare up, me to Donald Trump. But people don't did. do that. The, what Donald Trump says, he makes fun of people. He belittles people. He lies. I don't do any of those things. Period. The fact of the matter is this guy stood up and he was, in fact, lying. And I just pointed out, you're a liar. I, I actually like that. that. I mean, I thought that it really uh, made 
Biden seemed like he's alive and he's in there and he's fighting. Uh, and I do think that, you know, he needs to come back. He needs to be strong. I think the 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 real uh, criticism of Biden is that he hasn't shown that drive. Uh, I mean, he's in it, but he got in it late. He's just not, you know, shown that he's really got the uh, the energy. And that's what's going to you know, that's what's going to hurt him if he were to become the eventual nominee is that it would hurt him against uh, President Trump. So I, I actually liked it. I thought he did well. Uh, I like to see that spark. What do you think? I agree. Look, I mean, I think <laughs> I think people who like Joe Biden uh, like him because they think he's folksy. They like him because he's got fire in his belly. They, there are moments when people haven't seen that in the Democratic electorate uh, lately. This showed he had that. He was defending his son. Uh, I actually think for many people it was pretty appealing. So, so, so look, Joe Biden is not a great retail politician. He ran in the state of Delaware, three counties, right? He's been doing this since 1972. Everybody keeps saying, well, wait, Joe Biden's going to get better. He's going to get better. He was terrible. He called the guy old. He called him fat. He was going to well, wrestle David, with David, him. But David, at the end, the, the guy he's said he would it. vote for him in a general election. And on said he he's was bad. a Warren supporter, but he'd vote for Joe he, Biden. So clearly not, it didn't not, have the impact that you thought it did. He's not good at it. I mean, it's, 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 we wouldn't be talking about it if it was a great moment. Okay. All right. We have a lot to talk about on another big issue that's happening in this town. New warnings from vulnerable Democrats about how impeachment is playing with their voters. That's next. It's hard to put together an article of impeachment that deals with obstruction that ignores the damning information in the second volume of the Mueller report. The obstruction, the, the grotesque manner in which this president has obstructed any investigation into his work, I think can't be ignored. And the Mueller report provides really serious information in that regard. We are all waiting to find out what articles of impeachment Democrats will write against the president. Let's discuss. And uh, Congressman Goose, you are on the Judiciary Committee. You just heard uh, Dan Kildee say it should be broad. Uh, you heard Max Rose earlier. I've talked to some of your colleagues who are from Trump districts who say, no, no, no. Two articles just on uh, abuse of power and obstruction of Congress. Where are, you, where are you? So I would say this. I don't think any decisions have been made uh -huh. yet. And you heard Chairman Nadler talk about that previously. I think there is broad consensus within the Democratic caucus that this administration needs to be held accountable and that ultimately the significant evidence of the president's misconduct is really uh, it, it, it's not in dispute. And so at the end of the day, there's going to be a pretty robust debate, I imagine, and, and you've uh, alluded to it, about the breadth of potential articles that may ultimately be referred uh, to the House for its full consideration. Uh, that's important. But look, I think every colleague I've talked to, both in the freshman class and also writ at large in the caucus, understands that this is not a question of politics. It's a question <laughs> of honoring your constitutional oath. It is a vote of conscience. You heard mm -hmm. Speaker Pelosi allude to that just earlier this week. I thought her words were very powerful in that regard. We are treating this process with the respect it deserves, unlike some of my colleagues on the other side of the aisle, which is regrettable. Yeah, n not, not political, uh, except for the fact that you guys are elected <laughs> officials and have to go before voters. It is Not political. you necessarily, because you're from it a pretty political. different It is political. You'll have zero Republican votes here. Zero. Can I just add, because this is a talking political. point, and I know you said this earlier. It's not a talking point. No, well, it's a fact. Well, I will tell you this. 
There was a Republican who ultimately chose country over party and decided to support the opening of an impeachment inquiry, and I suspect will support ultimately an Justin impeachment Mosh? on the vote, and who was kicked out of his party because he chose to choose the over party. And that was Justin Amash. Okay, but David, so, David. The president, he opposed the president. Wait, let's get oh, some facts. Congressman, you were for impeachment before, well, you, before you even sworn in. You said there was enough evidence before you heard one shred. Did I you not? I've heard a number. But no, yes or no? Let me answer the question. And let me yes or no? Provide my statement. So okay. what I'll say is this. There are a number of us who have ultimately long believed that this president has engaged in conduct that could be. But before you heard one shred of evidence, that, 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 that is not true. You, you and, said and it. November, November of the 2016. Effort, sir, the effort. I mean, so many Republican colleagues of mine to obfuscate away from the president's egregious conduct and abuse of power is something that has shocked the conscience of many of my colleagues in the Democratic House. I, I, I honestly and, have and been I taken have, aback I, by I it. have to say, as somebody who is, in fact, a never-Trumper, but I'm still a Republican. On policy issues, I actually agree with the president on probably 80% of what he supports. But it really bothers me that you don't have any Republicans who are willing to stand up and say, this behavior crossed the line. It is dangerous. But there are lots and of Republicans that say it crossed no, the line. They just no, don't believe but it's David, you know they don't believe it's good and well, David, that if Linda, Barack Obama had done anything that came close to this, there would, in fact, have been an impeachment inquiry, and there would, in fact, have been an impeachment. So th- that really, that really I don't offends so. me. I, and I, and I will just add, David, that, you know, the big question here is the one that uh, Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff have been posing, which is, should any president of either party be in a position where they are trying to bribe a foreign power for oh, their own personal the political gain? Not the case. Jim. That's what we're talking about. That's why, as Linda said, it is so shocking that no Republican, despite 50 percent of the public thinks that this president should be impeached and removed is not. I, I would say this. It, it let, does let, speak let, to the power let, of your boss, your former boss over the, over let, the let, political let's wait, let's wait and see what elected yeah. officials with the Democrats in 31 Trump districts, 13 Romney uh, McCain districts. Let's see what they vote. Okay. How they vote on impeachment. All right. We are going to see that everyone's standing by for all of it. Thank you so much for joining me up next. Some good news, which we can all agree is welcome this holiday season. Stay with us. This holiday season, CNN has some inspiration about how to give back. There is a saying in Ethiopia, people are medicine for people. Say that I'm a dreamer. What we do here is provide food, clothing, and shelter, and a whole lot of love. When you love someone, you love someone. To give children a place to mourn their loss and tell their story. They're the best the world has to offer. We're going to start a program, and we're going to help people. I'm feeling the love. They're heroes today and every day. I think we must talk less and do action more. Video games are an incredible source of relief during difficult times. We purchase RVs and give it to a family who lost their home in the fire. Many of our kids come to us traumatized. I just want to see them happy. It impacts lives that don't feel they have a voice. Join Anderson Cooper and Kelly Ripa live as they name the 2019 CNN Hero of the Year. Our heroes are incredible people. Their work and their stories will inspire you tonight. CNN Heroes, an all-star tribute tonight at 8 on CNN. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.